0: I remember a story of a of a guy who was a Christian he went to vietnam and and who got to see the Vietnam Wall by the way. Did everyone get to see that quite amazing, quite amazing, very sobering. I think is it still up today? They're tearing it down today so, Um, So you might make it if you get right after church to see it. It is all the names of the wall that's in in Washington, D.C. It's 80 percent of the size. So it's massive. It's three hundred and seventy some odd feet long. Uh, You know, the fifty eight thousand names on it. It's it's an amazing presentation. And so I encourage you to, to go see that if you can. But I remember a story of a, of a young man who uh, became a Christian in boot camp, and he was in, in Vietnam, and they were out um, in the places you didn't want to be. And you've heard the stories that there are no atheists in foxholes. Well, this guy came up to another man, and he had on his neck, he had a cross a star of David, a crescent, a little goat's hair, or something like that, all on his cross, a four-leaf clover. He had like this huge chain of things around his neck. And this guy said to him, what's, what's with you? And the guy says, I believe. <laughs> he says, what do you believe in? He says, in my business, in my place, I can't afford to make anyone angry. <laughs> you know, he <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like the guy in The Mummy. You know, he, he had all this, and there was a desperation in him. There was a desperation. And it was causing him to just go, I don't know what's right. I don't have any direction. But as he said, I can't afford to make anybody angry. There was another person in history that we know of. And it was a young teenager who was bringing some food and checking on his brothers who were on the front lines of a battle. And when he got there, he found no fighting going on, but a lot of fear in the camp. He found out that there was this huge man on the other side who would come out every day and curse the children of Israel, looking for someone to fight him. This nine foot plus giant of Gath would come out and defy the armies of Israel and God Almighty, and nobody would fight him. Nobody would fight him. And so this young teenager, David, says, why isn't somebody going out there? And I, they ridiculed him. What are, you, what are you thinking? Word got back to Saul. And, and David who knew who God was. Word got back to Saul. And Saul said, what do you think? And he says, I've killed the lion and I've killed the bear. And this giant will be no different. Now, You've got to imagine, and, and, and we, I, I should have kept one of the little kids and maybe taken Jim as he's, he's probably our biggest guy here. I was thinking, I wish Randy would have been here, big, big Randy. But having maybe Jim stand up and, and maybe uh, like Madeline next to him would have been the difference in height and size. He was huge. And, he, and, and, and Saul says, what? And he says, I've killed the lion, I've killed the bear, and this, this uncircumcised Philistine will be no different. So Saul says, well, if you're going to go out, you have to have the best armor. So David tries it on and says, no, this isn't for me. He I'm going to trust in my God. I'm going to trust in my God. He's delivered me before, and he'll deliver me. And we read from the story that as he goes out with just his five smooth stones and his sling... That he tells the Philistine, God is going to give me into your hand and I'll cut off your head this day. That's quite a boast from a little guy to a big guy. David has confidence in the Lord. But you know what? I believe in something else in David because I can't believe it wasn't there. He was desperate for God. He stood out there and we just see this boldness in him. But I can't imagine that he didn't look across the field at this giant. And have a desperation. But his desperation was for God. He never says, I'm going to do it. He says, the Lord will hand you over today. He knew everything was in God. It wasn't in his own ability and his own strength. But he was desperate for God to come and do something. Because he knew that if if he lost, not only would he lose his life, but the way this worked is whatever champion won would be able to put the other into subjection. It was kind of winner takes all type of deal. There was a lot on the line. Do you think David was desperate? I do. But he was desperate in the right place. Not like the guy in Vietnam who was desperate for anything. Anything to get me out of this mess. David knew who his source was. He knew his source. It was God Almighty. It wasn't Saul's armor. It wasn't that he had an army behind him. It was God. And he was absolutely desperate for God. David is an amazing figure throughout the Bible of somebody who knew where his dependence was on. And David was desperate, even as a king. We saw him falter, but he comes back in desperation to God, who he knew was in control of everything. You know, the king, as David became the king, he has the power. He can decree, he can do whatever he wants. When he sinned with Bathsheba and was then confronted, he took a woman Against her will, against her husband's will, had the man killed. Now in my book, that would mean you sinned against a number of people. Sinned against Uriah. You sinned against Bathsheba. You sinned against the warriors who were fighting and the captains who had to be part of your murder scheme. You sinned against a lot of people. but when confronted. With his sin. What does David say? Against you. And you only have I sinned. Now I don't believe he was. Underestimating and and saying that he didn't hurt other people. But he knew. That above all was God. That above all that. That in comparison his sin was against God. You read the Psalms. And you see a man who was absolutely. Desperate. For God, a man who knew where his source was. You could almost open up anywhere and see some of David's psalms and find that heart that he knew that it was God who was his everything. I'm just going to read Psalm 135, 5 through 11. It says, For I know that the Lord is great, and our Lord is above all God's. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all the deep places. He causes the vapors to ascend from the ends to the earth. He makes lightning for the rain. He brings the wind out of his treasuries. He destroyed the firstborn of Egypt, both man and beast. He sent signs and wonders into the midst of you, O Egypt, upon Pharaoh and all his servants. He defeated many nations and slew many mighty kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms, kingdoms of Canaan. He knew where the source was. You know, we know today. We know today that lightning is a natural phenomenon. We know scientifically why lightning happens. We know that the clouds contain rain, that with the evaporation process and the hydrologic cycle, we know these things. But David went beyond that and says, I don't care about any of that. God is the one who causes it. It wasn't God who came down and defeated all the enemies. Sometimes he did, but often it was the children of Israel that went in and fought. But David gives God the credit. He was desperate for God. He knew that God was his source. 1 Chronicles 29, it says that wealth and honor come from you and your hands are strength and power. Some of us think that wealth and honor come from our success in our hard work. But who's behind it? The Bible says that he gives us power to gain wealth. Are we... Looking to ourselves? Are we looking to people? Are we looking to processes? Or are we looking to God as our source? What are we desperate for? Some of us are desperate that Obamacare is going to get canceled in the last days and held off. Because we're already seeing the the tumble down effect and seeing prices of health care go up. And some of us maybe are feeling desperate for the government to do something. Where is our desperation pointed? It needs to be pointed in the right places. Are you desperate this morning? I think many of us would say, yes, I'm desperate. And you could give a number of reasons what you're desperate for. To see somebody saved, to see a healing, to see your finances come through. I'm desperate. The question is, how desperate are we? And what's that desperation going to lead us to do? We could become like the poor guy in Vietnam. See, desperation sometimes drives us to the wrong places. People that are desperately lonely are driven into the hands of anyone who will love them. Unless their desperation leads them to God. People who are desperately poor will sometimes be driven to do desperate measures another thing about Guatemala that we noticed. All the businesses had had armed guards, shotguns. Bakeries had shotguns. I mean, any, any place that had any amount of money had an armed guard. And I realized the reason that everyone had armed guards. It wasn't because there was a whole bunch of armed people that were going to come in and rob them at gunpoint. That's what you'd kind of think. Well, man, if you got an armed guard, you're expecting an armed. No, it was actually to keep the poor, honest people honest. Because they were desperate. And in a moment of desperation, they might look into a business and say, I could feed my family for a year on what's in that cash register. And desperation has driven many people to do such things. So the guards with the shotguns, they were just there to help people not get so desperate that they would do something dumb. Desperation drives us to a lot of things. So what does desperation drive us to? Sometimes it drives us to drink, to watch TV and check out of life. Desperation drives us to anger. Desperation, first of all, should be desperation for God. And it should be driving us to Him. Because only He has the words of life. When everything was crashing down and the disciples were leaving Jesus, Jesus asked that question, will you leave me too? Where would we go? Only you have the answers. Only you have the words of eternal life. It's time to get desperate. You know desperation's not a bad thing. We should be desperate for the Lord. Because we live in a, in a country that so much has been given to us, we don't find ourselves desperate. But times are changing. I don't know if this is a permanent change or not. I, I'm leading towards this is a permanent change. Our economy, wars, it could just get better, but I don't see things getting much better. But for years we've had so much that we didn't have a lot of times to get desperate. And times are changing and we're becoming a desperate people. The thing that should happen and can happen from this is that we'll get desperate for God. And not just desperate for a change in the economy or a different job. God is the one who's got to take care of us and be the one who meets us in our needs. You know, necessity is the mother of invention. So what's desperation the mother of? Sometimes it's it's the mother of sin. The mother of us making really bad choices. I remember a time I was probably about 20 years old. I'd been a Christian for a few years and had a roommate living with Johnny and went down the hill and I I had a, a baby tooth. I have a congenital missing tooth, so a baby tooth never Grew out because I didn't have a big tooth to replace it. It was just a little tiny thing, but it had rotted because I couldn't brush it. So I went down, and they had to pull it out. You've all had a tooth pulled here or there. Went to the dentist. He pulled it out. Not a problem. I was all numbed up with Novocaine. I had never had a tooth pulled. Didn't know what was really going on, and I left the dentist with no prescription. He didn't give me a prescription for any pain meds. It was down the hill. On the way home, I was 20. I felt like I wanted a hamburger, so I stopped it in and out. Couldn't feel the pain, so I'm having a hamburger. I get to, my, get to my house. A couple hours later, the pain begins to kick in. By now, it's 6 p.m. Don't have an all-night pharmacy in Big Bear, and even if I did, I don't have a prescription. I'm pretty dumb. I'm 20 years old and don't have anyone to tell me what to do. And I says, I can ride this through. And the pain just began to get excruciating. You know, eating the hamburger didn't help. And I got to the point that I couldn't bear the pain any longer. Thought about Man, my roommate had some some booze and I thought about drinking his booze. And I thought, I don't know if that's gonna go quick enough and if it's gonna work well enough. Is that my thing dying? I like, think I might just be a bad antenna, and so I went through some options, and I was getting more desperate as the as the pain killers was wearing off that he gave me. And still to this day, I can't believe that somebody a dentist pulled a tooth and didn't give a prescription for pain meds or anything. And so I got desperate, and I said, "Well, I'm not a druggie. I never was a drug addict. I experimented when I was in high school, so I knew about drugs. Did some things, but was never a bit." And I thought, "I know what will take this pain away." and I knew how to get drugs. So I left the house in search for anything that would take away the pain. I was desperate. God began to speak to me and he directed me instead. And I said, you know, I'll go get prayer and and ask Mike and Trish if they have any. They were just dating at the time. They weren't even married yet. I went over to my sister and brother-in-law and I, I was just dying and told them how desperate I was. And They actually, there was a gentleman in the church and they says, you know, Kevin will have something to to just kill the pain and then tomorrow call the dentist or whatever. So praise the Lord. I didn't get healed. I wish I would have been just take away the pain, but I was desperate. And in that desperation, I almost did anything. God came in and I remembered he pointed me in the right direction and, and I went at least to a a healthier alternative to take care of that pain. What have you been desperate and what have you done? Think of the desperate people in the Bible as I was, this message because said, well, Lord, you know, who were desperate people in the Bible? And I just, began, just realized just about everyone. You just start listening. You start thinking about their lives, the things that went on. Jeremiah, the prophet, he wasn't very, very popular. He wanted to be. He was wanted for murder by the king many times. He was desperate for God to stay alive. Think of Elijah. He's fronting off the prophets of Baal. And he was outnumbered. He was desperate that God showed up and burned the sacrifice. He was desperate for God. Noah, a hundred years building an ark for something that's never happened before. What? He was desperate that God was going to be there. Abraham offering his one and only son Isaac. When he went up to that place and Isaac says, Dad, where's the offering? God will provide an offering. He was desperate for God. But he was steadfast in the Lord. He was going to follow God because his desperation was placed in God, not outside of it. He wasn't trying to make deals with God. He was following them. Moses, time and time again leading the people, desperate for God. At the the Red Sea, and all of Egypt's armies coming after him, he was desperate for God. God, hold out your your staff, and they cross through on dry ground. He was desperate for God. But we saw Moses, in his desperation, turn to the wrong thing years later. After, Moses, after God had done miracles through Moses and his staff, even bringing water out of the rock because Moses used his staff once, there they were, no water again, in the desert. And God said, speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. And Moses was desperate. He didn't want to die at the hands of these people. They, they were a lot of them, and they were mad. And he knew that his staff had worked miracles before. So what did he do? He disobeyed God because he was desperate to get an answer. And he relied on what he knew and he struck the rock again. See, his desperation caused him to do the wrong thing. He wasn't desperate only in God at that moment. Now the water came forth, but Moses had a bad deal. And he didn't enter into the promised land. And of course, David... Psalm 121, David says, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. In Psalm 63, 1 through 5, I read it this morning. God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. That sounds like somebody who's desperate for God. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Have you ever been dying of thirst? just give me a drink. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory. Your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods With singing lips. My mouth will praise you. David, throughout the Psalms, you see a man who was desperate for God. He put his hope in God and desperation in God. When he was confronted uh, with the opportunity to kill Saul and get rid of his problems, he said, no, I'm desperate for God. I'm not desperate for man's answers. Man's answers say, just get rid of them. And God said, no. And he says, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. David stayed desperate for God and God blessed him. Throughout his life, even when David wanted to build God a temple to dwell in and God said no, he glorified in God, he worshipped God and says, Okay, Lord. He was the king, he could have done it, and maybe even the people thought, Why aren't you building a temple for God? Other people have temples. Why don't you have a temple for your God? Because God said no. His desperation was only for God. talked about making the wrong decisions when we're desperate. How do we not make those wrong decisions when the desperation comes? And I don't want to be a prophet of gloom and doom, but I think that more desperate times are coming for us as a nation. I just, it's happening around the world. It's been happening. We've enjoyed a lot of, of grace and blessings upon this nation. And God could relent and not do what it looks like is ready to happen. But I think more desperate times are coming. How do we do the right thing and not the wrong thing when we're desperate? I was thinking about one of my older brothers who was in the army for 14 years. He was airborne, first Coscom. It was in Desert Shield, Desert Storm, and so I was talking to him about when he jumped out of plane. I, I, I jumped out of plane when I was in, when I was about 21, 22, and so I was talking to him that see if he was scared. And when the first time he didn't, he says, "You know, the first time I did, I wasn't scared." He explained to me that they drilled and drilled in in training to jump out of the plane. Now, when I jumped out of a plane, I'm looking down, it's like, wow, we're really high. You know, you're sitting on the edge of a plane at 10,000 feet, and and the only thing protecting me is this guy who's strapped to me. I went a tandem jump, and so there's a guy sta- strapped to me. In fact, before we jumped, I said, how's your life, you know? Marriage good? Family good? <laughs> you know, I just want to make sure you don't want to, you don't have any reasons to die today, because if you want to die, I'm going with you, and... And he says, you know, we drilled, Pat said, you know, we drilled and drilled. And he says, there was a little door on the ground and we'd run up to the door and jump out of it and run around and jump out of the door. And he says, well, then then they got it up a little bit higher and they had ropes and they'd jump out and there's ropes and there's nets and there's, and they just kept jumping, 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 jumping all the time. And it was just, okay, this is what we do. You put your thing up and you you jump. They practice landing. You know, you hit the ground and you fall to your side and you roll. And they practiced and practiced and practiced. He says until they went up in the plane. And it looked the same. And so they puts his line up and he just jumps out. Woo! He says he wasn't scared. He was just doing what his new instincts were. Doing what was natural now because he had learned it so well. That's how we need to learn our desperation is that we get so well at counting on God, so well at praying to God, so, so good at, at looking to Him to be our source as David did from the time he was little. What does the, the Old Testament say? Teach these things to your children when you're walking. Write them on the forehead. Write them on the back of your hand. Always talk about the things of God. Build testimonial stones so that whenever you pass by, you'll talk about the goodness of God so that from a little child you know god and our desperation will always lead us to there why is it in a crisis in a christian home that it's the little kids who say well daddy should we pray and not the parents because from a little child they know when something goes wrong we were taught to pray they don't think twice we have natural instincts to panic If you didn't get saved at a young age and we get desperate and we do bad things. But when you raise that child in the things of the Lord, their natural tendency is to believe God and pray. Can we get to that point where we do the same thing? Retrain ourselves. Retrain ourselves to trust in God first. To be desperate for Him. We're going to have to overcome some obstacles. Mostly right here. The things that we think, oh, God's not going to heal. Well, yeah, God helps those who help themselves. I think that's in second opinion somewhere. Some of us think that that's a scripture. It's been drilled into us. Don't just sit back, you know, know, there's a time to trust in God, but there's a time to act. Just got to do something. How about there's a time to do something in God? And he'll lead us to do it. Do you want me to switch? Is that bugging everyone else? This one. Record this if we can. We need to be desperate. We need to train ourselves to be desperate. Floyd, Floyd says something. It's always said in, in fun and in, in jest. But when we say, hey, let's, let's pray. He says, oh no, has it come to that? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that's kind of how we live. How many times have I said, and maybe you've said, I wish I could do something. But I can pray for you. I wish I could do more. You can't do any more than pray. Can't do any more than pray. Let's pray, oh, has it come to that. That's the first thing we should be doing. We may be desperate for God. You know, I'm desperate for God to do something here in, in this valley, in this church. I'm desperate for him to do something in my life. Because just playing church, having lights or good music or a, a funny sermon or good fellowship and great donuts and free coffee. And I, I, I like all those things, but I'm desperate for God. Because without God, we're just playing game, playing church. And when things get really tough, we don't have any substance to keep us going. You know, there's a new church starting. In a couple weeks, it'll be launched in the, va- in the village at the cave. You know, and I'm, I'm praying that if this is a thing of God, that it'll just be blessed and it'll reach a lot of people. But unfortunately, the fear is always, you know, people are going to be attracted to it. It's at a great location. You know, I don't know if you've seen it, but they've got lights and a stage and they've got a, just a great venue. And, and there will be people who will go there just because it's, it's a cool place or they have a good band or whatever. And I don't believe that's the heart of Pastor James who's starting the work. And, and I'm not, I'm not, don't, don't get lost in the details, but it's the, are we going to just go to the next thing? Well, that's a cool thing or that's better. Are we only going to go, well, I go to that church because they have a food pantry? We need to become desperate for God. Not for the things that we get out of a service. Just in the the natural. But we need to be desperate for God who comes and ministers to us. We need to be one who would say, early in the morning I seek thee. Your loving kindness is better than life. You're my everything. Outside of you I have, have nothing. Only you have the words of eternal life. Desperate. Desperate for God. We know that he is good. We know that he's good. Proverbs twenty eight, twenty five, and twenty six says this, and the Proverbs are full of kind of antithetical statements. They'll say one thing and then he'll say the other side. It says a greedy man stirs up dissension, and greedy is selfishness. But he who trusts in the Lord will prosper. And then it says, he who trusts in himself is a fool. But he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. Wisdom being the opposite of foolishness. But what is this wisdom? This wisdom is trusting in the Lord. It's wise to trust in the Lord. will be kept safe. He who trusts himself is a fool. He who trusts in the Lord will prosper. God has answers for all of our problems. And he doesn't just have answers, he has solutions. You don't always like the solution. But he has the things for us. Psalm 11. Again, David can learn so much about being desperate for the Lord and trusting in God. Psalm 11 verse 1 says, In the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on the string that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. We put our trust in the Lord. Not in man's things, not in man's answers, not in man's wisdom. It's in the Lord. We need to retrain ourselves to seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. We need to change the way we do things. Into seeking him first. And really understanding that. Even if things are going well for you. You are desperate for God. And that's what the enemy I think. has brought in by the prosperity of this nation. Because the enemy will try to use everything. For his gain. As prosperity came in. It took a while. But what did we begin to do? I earned this. This is mine. We stopped realizing that what we had was a blessing from God. We stopped realizing that it's God who stores the lightning, the hail, the snow, that he is the cause of all things. And we began to actually believe that it was just us. God needs to bring us back to, Lord, you are in charge of everything. You created the laws of gravity. Lightning does what it does because you created it to do it that way. That you've given me the ability to gain wealth and become desperate, desperate for God. In our own strength, we're in trouble, but relying on Him. What would it look like if we became truly desperate for God? That's the question. What would it look like if we truly became desperate for God? And one thing to avoid right now is thinking about what it would look like if other people were desperate for God. Oh, I just wish the government would come back and they would serve God. Oh, I just wish my neighbor would come to Christ. I just wish my child would come to Christ. Those are things that are good, but that's not the question this morning. The question is, what would it look like if you became desperate for God. We have a tendency sometimes in the church to sit and hear a message and at the end of it we say, boy, I wish so-and-so was there. That was just for them. What would it look like if you became desperate for God? This is the one time. Usually we're teaching, don't be selfish. Don't think about yourself. Me, me, me. This time, think about yourself. Because you and I need to become desperate for God. And look to Him because He's the only one who has the answers and the things that we need. God, we need you. In our desperation, be driven to the Lord. Become desperate on God now, even before times are really desperate so that when times are really desperate you've already put your hope and trust in him and if you're already there going i things can't get much more desperate then you need the lord you need this word more because you're in that spot let's bow our heads and our hearts Father, only you have the words of eternal life. You know our comings and goings. We thank you that your word is true. We thank you for the words of the Psalms. And David's heart that points us to you. Recognizing that above all we need you. That if the king trusted in you. If the king recognized you as his source of strength and life. And not his power and not his position. Not his armies. God, we need to admit the same thing. We need you. God, outside of you, even ourselves, we are desperately wicked, but in you we are the righteousness of Christ. Father, And we are tempted and led to look to other things to meet our needs. God, teach us to cry out to you. God, bring us to a place, not just in the hard times, but every morning to rise up And say, God, I'm desperate for you right now. Because if I go into this day without you, I really could mess things up. Lead us to you. Lead us to that desperation, that passion, that relationship with you, understanding that you are our all in all. And then have your way Lord Jesus, in our lives, in and through us. Oh God. Because I believe in that place of living in and through you, God, that you will show yourself in ways that you desire to show yourself. And as we put our trust in you, we'll see the miracles of your hand more than we do. It will know your voice because we'll have quieted our own voices. Oh God, we thank you that you are just waiting, waiting for us to respond to you each and every day. We thank you for stirring our hearts even now, drawing us closer to you, Drawing one step closer to you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, for the body of Christ that you've placed us in. The part of the way of being filled with you is to be in communion with other believers who are going to encourage us, lead us to you, and point us to you. And not to the things of the world. So as we go from here Lord. We rely on you to be our guide. Our foreguard and our rearguard. To the left and the right. And in and through us. And we will not go on if you don't go before us. Thank you God. That you will answer. When we call. And you'll be there when we seek you. Your word says that you will seek and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So that's what we do today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.